babies up to be dedicated. And uh, yeah, so Natalie was talking about being baptized as an infant. We believe in our church family that that's a choice believers make, but what we would do in, in place, really what I think infant baptism would do is to basically bless the kids. Um, and really, this is the challenge. We're going to spread y'all out a little bit more than this tape would allow. Um, really what this is, is a challenge to you parents, a decision that you're making to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. And what Proverbs 22 says is that if you train a child in the way they should go, in the end, they won't depart from it. Now that's really good news. Some of you have some kids, maybe that it feels like they've departed from it, and just remind God it's not the end. Remind yourself it's not the end and keep praying because God will bring them back around. Hey, extended families, y'all can come forward uh, with these folks. Um, And then Psalm says, yeah, come on up. Psalms says that uh, like an arrow in the uh, hands of a warrior, so are so is a child, a child born in one's youth. And here's what we believe: we believe that your kids are actually arrows that God has entrusted you to bring His kingdom into the ends of the earth. And so, what you're doing is you're raising your kids to be a threat to the enemy and to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And so what you're saying now, what you're agreeing to now, parents, is we are committing to raise our kids in the ways of the Lord. Church family, your part is this. We know it also takes a village. And so your part is to pray for them, is to come alongside these kids to encourage them, uh, to, to pour into them. Um, they don't just need their parents and extended family. They need their spiritual family to be in it with them. So let me introduce you to who we have. We have Micah, or Michael Noah Hernandez. And Michael, or we call him Noah, is a miracle baby. All these babies are, but Michael's, no, or, yeah, Noah, he's got an con- incredible story uh, of miracle even before he was born. You want to share that? This is Aaron. How y'all doing? Um, well, when he was born... Uh, in the stages of development, uh, when my wife was pregnant, um, we went in for a checkup, and uh, it was our 20 month, 20, 20 week, month, sorry, 20 month, yeah, 20 month, uh, be, 20 week checkup. That'd be a, a well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anywho, we uh, we did a, a scan on her belly, and his uh, fluid in his brain was a little abnormal. It wasn't much by much, but it was uh, nine. And uh, 10.03. Anything above 10 is starting to get into a, um, what would you call it? A uh, like danger zone. Danger zone, yeah. yeah. And so I kind of shrugged it off. I was like, ah, God's got it. We didn't even pray about it. God's got it. No big deal. A um, few weeks later, we went back in and um, we had a scan again. And his brain ended up uh, measuring in on one side um, 11 and then on the other side 13. And so it started to look a little scary. Uh, what he was starting to develop was called um, ventricular melody, megaly. And, um, you know, those are big words. We've never heard of those. We started doing research on it. And basically what would happen is he would start to develop um, uh, learning disabilities and just uh, be an abnormal child, unfortunately. And, you know, 
we were kind of shocked. It was, it's our first child, um, and, and it was scary. Um, you know, we kind of felt a little hopeless, but they wanted to start doing all these testing and, and, and all these, um, it's called, and, and, you know, I'm going to butcher these words, um, but amidiotesis. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're just a mom and pops. We, we don't have insurance. So all these extra tests are starting to worry me financially. And um, it, was, it was a scary time. Well, I told uh, my wife, I said, you know, we're not, we're not going to listen to the enemy. We're not, we're not going to sit here and be scared. We're not going to sit in fear. So we're going to stand on God's word and stand firm. And um, sure enough, you know, we rejected all the tests and we just stayed in prayer. We came up for prayer here with the um, elders. We, we had the church praying. We let uh, those closest to us, you know, know, uh, you know what was going on, just keep us in prayer. And, uh, you know, a few months later, about, uh, what, two weeks before he was born, uh, we went back in for a scan and everything had gone back to normal. He was uh, 100% normal, baby. That's awesome. Not healed. So cool. So cool. So this is Michael Noah. Michael means gift from God, and Noah means rest, comfort, and peace. So Lord, we just thank you for this one. Lord, what a gift from you. Lord, we thank you that this little miracle baby carries the miracles of heaven in his life. And so Lord, we we bless him. We say he belongs to you. We bless these parents. Lord, we thank you for Aaron and Arelli. Lord, we thank you for your hand on their lives. Lord, we thank you for wisdom and provision and everything they need to raise this little guy and launch him into his calling, Lord, that he would walk with you and, and know you all the days of his life. Lord, we thank you for your spirit upon him, even like John the Baptist, from a young age, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So we got Lydia Lent here, and uh, she is precious. You're awesome. Yes. She is wonderful. This is Chris and Alicia. Many of you probably know Alicia. Many of you have maybe only met Chris one, one time. So they're part of uh, Sozo from California. They watch online um, and are really part of our family. And we just love these guys and honored to be a part of Lydia's dedication. Yeah, you're, pres- you're a princess. You know that, don't you? And so, yeah, we're just honored to be here. You know, Lydia means, and she's living up to it, means beautiful one. It also means noble one. And so, Lord, we thank you for for this little princess. Lord, we thank you that she has a great call on her life. Lord, we, we bless her, Lord, that she would be a picture of what your heart is for the world. Lord, that she would be like Lydia in the Bible, just a, a, a groundbreaker for the kingdom. Lord, that she would carry grace with her everywhere she goes, that just is a symbol of, of your love and her nobility as a daughter of yours. And Lord, we bless these parents, Lord, with everything they need to launch this little princess into her calling. Lord, we pray that you would protect their house. Lord, that their home would be a place of rest and peace, that it would be full of your spirit. Lord, we ask for wisdom. We ask for unity and parenting and everything they need for what they're called to and what she's called to. And Lord, we just say she is dedicated to you. She belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. And this is Hattie Grace. Hey, princess. Hattie means ruler of the home, and she is in charge. (laughs) 
It actually does mean ruler of the home, but she's given that name because she carries incredible authority, and she's supposed to bring the kingdom everywhere that she goes. And grace means the empowering presence of God. It's a powerful name. This is Dustin and Caitlin. They are our college pastors and just a gift to our church family. And we love you guys so much. And we uh, are just thrilled to watch you grow up and step into all that God has for you, princess. You're wonderful. Oh, yeah, you want to come see me? (laughs) She just actually wants the microphone. She already knows she's called from a young age. (laughs) And so, Lord, we bless her, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're going to give her a strong voice that leads people to you. Lord, we thank you for the call on her life and the grace that she walks in. Lord, we thank you that she belongs to you. She's dedicated to you. We bless Dustin and Caitlin, Lord, that they would have everything that they need to launch her into what she's called to. Lord, we pray that their home would be just a resting place for your presence. And Lord, we bless their marriage and their family. Lord, we thank you for more kids one day, for siblings for this little one. And Lord, we we bless her, Lord, just to be just an awesome big sister one day too. And so, Lord, we thank you that she is called to shape culture, to bring your kingdom everywhere she goes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. (laughs) We've got a runner over here. This is Micah Zion Moss, and Bobby and Haley are his parents, and he is awesome. Yeah, yeah. What's up, buddy? High five? Nope. Leave me hanging in front of everybody. Well, they named him Micah because of Micah 6, 8, which is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this young guy. Lord, we thank you that he carries you everywhere that he goes. And so, Lord, we just bless him. We say that he belongs to you, King Jesus. Lord, we bless him to know you and to walk with you all the days of his life. Lord, that he would be a picture of your love, your justice, your mercy in the world. And Lord, we bless Bobby and Haley. Lord, we thank you uh, that you're the king of their home. So, Lord, we bless their home to be filled with you, to be filled with peace. And Lord, we pray that you would... uh, Just bless this family, give them wisdom as they raise their kiddos and launch them into kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, awesome. So families, Lauren has a a Bible for you and then also our prophetic team spent some time this week praying for your kids and just hearing God's heart and voice for them. And so uh, we just pray that they are blessed. So Lord, we thank you for these families. Lord, we bless them in your name. Amen. All right. Y'all, thank you for letting us be a part of this. So we've got, uh, my brother was with the men last night, and then uh, his wife, Allie. Would y'all stand real quick? Hudson, you can stand. Levi was around here somewhere. Levi's back here. So... Many of you don't know that Sozo was actually started on their back porch uh, eight years ago this last week, and uh, they are some of the first missionaries to go from here to the world. They work uh, in some of the scariest places in the world, unless you're a Lowry, and, uh, 
And they um, are just training a whole movement of underground uh, church leaders, mostly in the Muslim world, um, raising their kids, and uh, just such a blessing. So we, as a church family, we support them and just honored to be partnered with you. Josh is my big brother. Um, and so, yeah, some of you guys were probably like, that sounds like Joel a lot. And uh, yeah, he's just been a champion and a hero for me uh, my whole life. So grateful for you guys. Glad that y'all are here. Hey, let's do one more thing, actually, before we uh, jump in to the message and new series. Let's pray uh, for Israel. Many of you have seen that uh, there's been some terrorist attacks out of uh, Lebanon um, from Hezbollah and then from Hamas, and uh, I think about 600 people have died in the last 36 hours, um, lots of hostages, um, they're all God's kids, but also just so you know, some American citizens in that mix of lost lives and hostages. And so, Lord, we, we pray, Lord, for peace. And Lord, we pray that you would supernaturally shut down every scheme of the enemy. Lord, that you would bring peace and life to Israel, to, to Lebanon. Lord, we pray for those participating in the attacks and holding hostages, Lord, that Lord, that you, your presence would fall on them and that they would encounter you. Lord, we ask for protection for the preservation of life. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would minister to those who are caught in the traps of fear and trauma. And Lord, we pray that you would end this generational conflict. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, so we're starting a new series this morning called Blessed. Say blessed. blessed. And I struggled to name this series Blessed because uh, blessed is like one of the most cheesy Christianese words that uh, I could find. It's like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm really blessed, brother. It's like it doesn't almost mean anything to many of us. But as I was just praying about it and trying to figure out, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you inviting us into? I actually felt like it was the word of God for us that God actually really desires to bless his people, that he wants to take care of us, that he's really good to us, that he's our father. And so um, maybe that we would even understand uh, the blessing of God in a new way. So uh, what we'll do for the next few weeks is we're gonna talk about money. Say money. money. Now here's what we often think. When we talk about money in church, it's, uh, well, one, it's just we shouldn't talk about it. It's like politics, but you guys learned from this last series that I don't really care about what you're not supposed to talk about. Um, the second thing is, you think, oh, well, it's just because the pastor wants my money. The truth is, I, I don't want your money. Um, if I was in this for money, I would go get a different job. Um, and I have other streams of income, so this is not my hope. If you were to all walk away, I would go find something else to do, making more money that I make from the church. I'm grateful for what you give. But actually, my desire for you is to be blessed, is that you would participate with the blessing of God on your life. That's his heart for you. And my, my desire is this, that you would be blessed, not in a way that simply that you would have nice things, though I don't think that is necessarily wrong, but that you would be blessed in that you would have everything that you need to live the life that God created you for, that he's called you into, that you would not lack anything for what you need and what he's called you to. Amen? Now, I believe this, that in our day, especially in the West, that it's very easy to fall into the traps 
of materialism. It's very easy to go from owning things to being owned by things. And I believe that God is calling his people back to his heart and that we would recognize that what he promised to Abraham is still good for us, that we would be blessed to be a blessing and that all nations would be blessed by us. I think this for you, Sozo Church, I think that you're called to be a blessing to the nations. I think that you're called to to be sent and to launch people to the ends of the earth, to plant churches and to see nations transformed. Amen? And it takes resource to do that. It doesn't simply take financial resource, but it, it doesn't lack it. It does require financial resource. In fact, Margaret Thatcher once said that nobody would have remembered the Good Samaritan had he only had good thoughts and not money. It actually does take resource to impact the world, but it takes way more than resource. It actually takes this. It takes that we would be a people that don't buy into the American dream. It would take It would take us being a people that aren't owned by our things and by our careers, but instead are captivated by him and will do whatever he's called us to, that we would trust him to provide and take real good care of us. So this morning, I wanna talk to you about the Father's heart for your finances. Let me give you, uh, well, let me give you this. Here's what I hope you get this morning couple of thoughts, why you may need to go back to kindergarten, why you need to quit your job today, and why you're wealthy whether you like it or not. Let me talk to you about the word blessed. The word blessed is a spiritual state of well-being and prosperity. Catch the rest of this definition. A deep, joy-filled contentment that cannot be shaken by poverty, grief, famine, persecution, war, or any other trial or tragedy we face. That's what God wants to do in us, that we would be an unshakable people that are tapped into heaven and resourced by God for everything that we're called to. So why might you need to go back to kindergarten? Go with me to Luke 16. Jesus is telling a kingdom parable here. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. It's the parable of the shrewd manager. This guy uh, realizes he's about to lose his job and he begins to use the favor that he has to set himself up for a cushy landing and Jesus honors that. Uh, It's kind of a mind-blowing story. I'm not gonna dive into it. Um, We'll start in verse 10. I think 11 is gonna be what shows up behind you. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will, be also, will also be dishonest with much. Did you catch that? See, most of us think that we'll be a different person when we have more money in our bank account. But actually your financial resources only magnify the person that you are. Oh, if I was a millionaire, I'd be really generous. Well, are you generous now? So if you've not been trustworthy, here's why you may have to go back to kindergarten. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? 
Here's the idea that Jesus is saying. He's saying true riches aren't material. But what I'm looking for is a people who will be faithful with the material so that I can entrust them with even more with what really matters. And so often we think that real trustworthiness is is about, or even real wealth is about how much money we have. But I want to say to you that what you do with your resources, with your financial resources, you can add in there your, your time and your talent. What you do with those things really reflect how you view God and if you're trustworthy or not. So if you think, oh, well, I'll, I'll be, like, if God would just, like, here's the, the truth. Some of us are just praying, God, would you just pour out incredible favor on my life? Would you use me as a kingdom influence in the world? Would, would you, Lord, would you give me spir- these spiritual gifts that I've been after? And yet you're like not paying your bills on time. You're a lousy employee. You take your kids' food money and buy a pack of cigarettes or whatever it is. It's like, no, what God's saying is, hey, I want to pour out blessing on you, but I'm actually seeing how you spend your resources. And this is an issue of stewardship that's not relegated to finances. It's actually about your heart. And it's about your responsibility with what God is entrusting to you. And if you can take care of the financial stewardship part, that's the kindergarten of the kingdom, then I can pour out real blessing on you. Do you, do you catch the heart of God in that? Now, now if you see God as just a, a distant boss, what you'll hear is work hard and prove yourself. But if you hear God as a good father, what you'll hear is that he actually wants to set you up for success. He wants to bless you. He's longing to bless you. And he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm giving you an allowance. Let's see how you do with that before I entrust you with the whole inheritance of heaven. And so a lot of the time, we, how we see God with our finances affects our ability to steward what he entrusts to us. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 16. Sorry, 17. So Elijah's kind of duking it out with Ahab and Jezebel here a little bit. In verse or 17, verse 1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, that would make sense, the Tishbite would be from Tishbe, in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. It's a pretty strong word, huh? Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. That's pretty 
phenomenal. Say supernatural provision. How many of you know God is a God of supernatural provision? And here's the great thing. God's not limited to the world's economy. You see, the world was in drought and God was yet providing for Elijah. Elijah. And that's what it means to be blessed, that you're not restricted to the world's economy, but instead you're under heaven's economy. Here's what happens though. Sometime later, the brook, the brook dried up. Say dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. That just is common sense. The word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed the widow to supply you with food. So here's the interesting thing. If the brook dried up, Elijah could see the brook drying up, right? How many of you have ever seen a job coming to an end? You ever seen your bank account dwindling down? You ever been living into your savings, yeah? What Elijah did is he didn't give in to fear and worry. He didn't start thinking, well, my resources are drying up. Now I have to figure it out on my own. And that's where many of us get off track. We start to see the changing of a season and we begin to think that our resources are actually the source. We begin to think that my job is the provider, my boss is the provider, I'm the provider, and we lose sight of the real source. You see, Elijah didn't freak out. And here, here's what fear does. Just put it to you really plainly. Fear makes you stupid. <laughs> and so when we get caught up in fear regarding our finances, we move the direction of God being our source to us being the source. And when we make that decision, we stop listening to him. So then we move into the mode of self-reliance and I've got to figure it out. I've got to make more money. I need to get a new job. I need... And let me say this. I'm, I'm not against work, right? That's not what I'm saying. But we've bought into the lie that we're the provider, that we're the source. And when we buy into that lie, it's now up to us to figure it out. And so we move from being children of God, children of God in our thinking to being orphans. You see, kids don't ever have to figure it out. My kids come to me and they don't say, is there food to eat? They say, what should I eat? An orphan has to think, is there anything to eat? You see, many of us have not allowed God to father us in our finances. And we wonder why we're always scavenging to put things together. The invitation from God is that you would quit being your source. And that you would let him begin to father you. Here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you can't look for a new job. Doesn't mean that you don't pick up a side hustle. Maybe you need to do that. Doesn't mean that you stop thinking about your finances, but instead 
what it means is that you allow God to lead you in that. You do that with God. Like when I was a kid, I would talk to my dad about work and work. In fact, I still do that. I've got a problem. I I enjoy business and starting business a lot. So I I dream up all sorts of random crazy stuff. I do that often with my dad. Why? Because I'm not an orphan. I'm not on my own. You see, God actually wants to walk with you in your career. He, He wants to lead you in the career decisions, maybe in the business decisions, and the strategies that you develop, he's not saying you need to figure this out on your own. What he's saying is, hey, if you'll let me, I'll father you and I'll lead you in the way that you should go. Now, here's the incredibly brilliant strategy. It says, the word of the Lord came to him and said, go at once in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow to supply you with food. That's not a great strategy. Right? Like if you're looking for principles, the principle is not if you're a starving prophet, go find a widow. But watch what God does. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked her, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As the widow was going to get it, he called and bring me, please. At least he was nice. Not all prophets are nice, by the way. Bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so we may eat it and die. Wow, yeah, optimist. (laughs) Wow. And that's who God sent the prophet to. That was God's plan for miraculous provision. How many of you know that this does not work if this lady is the source? Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the land. That's incredible. Now, either Elijah is a prosperity gospel televangelist or he's hearing God. Are you with me? Like, I'm not saying buy into everybody that says, hey, if you just give your last penny, everything will be great. But this was the word of the Lord. And in the word of the Lord, there's incredible provision. And so you can go to a place that looks like a lousy resource. And yet, if it's tapped into the source with incredible obedience, there will be provision. Here's the reality. Elijah became the lifeline, the blessing to this woman. There's also a principle here. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. But the principle is this. It's the principle of first fruits. You see, it would have been nice 
for Elijah to say, you know, why don't you take some first and then I'll go. Let's go ladies and kids first. But there's actually a principle there of first fruits, and that is that we give first to God, and when we give first to God, he sanctifies the rest. And so Elijah knew, obviously he was listening to God, but he, but he, he knew or demonstrates this principle. So it goes on in 15, it says, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. They didn't lack anything. And it wasn't, there was no security in the flour jar. Are you with me? Like the the security is not in your bank account. The security is not in your paycheck. The security is not in the company that you own and it's not in the thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that you have promised coming your way. It's not in the resources that you own. It's in the one who is the provider. That's where your security is found. And here's what I found. I found for years that I was working for money. And in working for money, I was working for security. I was working to have what I needed. So years ago, we were going through a pay cut, hard times, got a pay cut. I was furious. I was so mad. And I was so disappointed because I also felt like I was failing as a provider. So I was talking to God about it, and he said, Joel, you need to quit your job. I was like, what do you mean? This is what I'm called to do. I like doing what I'm doing. He says, you don't need to tell your actual boss that you're quitting your job, but you have to stop working for money. See, I was not working for God. I was working for money. And the problem with working for money is that if you work for it, it'll become your boss. It'll become the thing that directs your path. You'll end up being tied to it. You'll be hooked by it. So I did what I did spiritually, and this is why I think you may need to quit your job. In this way, what I did spiritually says, God, I I quit working for money, and I work for you. I belong to you. You're my source. You're my provider. I'm not counting on my boss to provide. I'm not counting on the church to provide. I'm counting on you. You're the one that it all flows from. So if it comes through a widow's jar, In Zarephath, however you want to provide, I trust you to provide. Now, let me be very clear. I didn't go into my boss and turn in a notice. I didn't actually quit my job. But in my heart, I stopped working for money. And I want to say this to you. We'll talk about this more in the weeks to come. Your job is not about money. Now, you may absolutely hate your job and think the only reason why you're doing your job is for the paycheck. I want to invite you to change your heart. I invite you to say, you know what? Maybe God has me here for something more than money. Maybe there's incredible purpose for where I am. Let me say this. Part of the purpose for where you are, it, it may be the resource that God is using to bless you so that you can have finances to be a blessing to the nations. You can be a blessing to the house of God, to the people of God, that you could see the mission of God 
advance around the world, just like the Good Samaritan would have been of no good had he not had money. It takes resources to fund what God's up to, and yet he's the one that provides it. So you may just need to say, God, I'm done working for money. I belong to you. My loyalty is to you. I'll do whatever you call me to do. If it means keeping the job that I have, and most likely it does, then I'm gonna be the very best employee and a bright light in that place. And I'm gonna allow the joy of the Lord and the goodness of God to be all over my life so that they would see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. I'm gonna go to work with God. I'm going to bring him in. I'm gonna invite him to give me everything I need for what I'm called to because that's his heart for me. You see, the reality is many of us, we struggle with what I would call a poverty mindset. And we think that we're the source instead of God. I'm gonna give you nine characteristics of a poverty mindset. Actually, before I do that, I'm running out of time, but I'm gonna do this anyways. I've discovered this thing called ChatGPT. Anybody found ChatGPT yet? It's kind of funny. So I'm not having ChatGPT write my sermons. They'd probably be better if I did. <laughs> um, uh, but I asked ChatGPT to give me, uh, I said, combining Jeff Foxworthy's humor and Chris Valentin's beliefs, <laughs> give me 10 signs that you're wrestling with a poverty mentality. So here's what we got. If your idea of a gourmet meal involves reheating leftovers from three nights ago, you might be wrestling with a poverty mentality. <laughs> if you believe that the lottery is your best retirement plan, well, bless your heart, that's the sign of that poverty wrestling spirit. If, you, if you're more likely to buy a new TV than invest in personal growth, you might be stuck in the poverty pit. Ooh, that one, it's a little closer to home, doesn't it? It's supposed to be lighthearted. If you think... <laughs> If you think budget is a four-letter word, you're not just budgeting challenge, you've got a poverty mindset. If you've mastered the art of avoiding the offering plate at church, you might be in a tussle with that poverty spirit. If you're still using your, grandma, your grandma's 20-year-old toaster, it might be time to let go of that scarcity thinking. If your idea of a savings account is an empty mason jar on the kitchen counter, well, this is real Jeff Foxworthy here. That's a hooting sign of that poverty mindset. If you believe the phrase money can't buy happiness, but you've never tried, you might need a mindset makeover. If, you, if you'd rather stand in line for hours to save a few bucks than spend quality time with your loved ones, that's a poverty mentality circus right there. If your financial plan consists of crossing your fingers and hoping for a miracle, honey, you might just let go of that poverty mentality rodeo. ChatGPT has a sense of humor. So let me give you nine actual signs of poverty thinking. I believe that money would fix all my problems. I assign negative emotions to people who are wealthy, prosperous, famous, or powerful. I am jealous of people who have more than me. I find a problem with every opportunity and I'm terrified of taking risks. I jump on every get-rich-quick scheme and place hope in things like the lottery. 
I always feel like something is about to go wrong. I'm afraid to plan for the future. I feel unworthy of gifts, extravagance, and abundance. I blame my financial state on my boss or company. You see, the issue is not how much money you have. The issue is who's your source. The reality is, is that God wants to father you, that he actually wants to take really, really good care of you. And he doesn't want you to live under a poverty thinking when you're actually royalty. You see, you've been adopted into his family. You're his kid. You belong to him. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you're a royal priesthood. Tell your neighbor, look at him, say, I'm royalty. See, when we begin to recognize that God really cares about us, cares for us, that he's interested in those things, we begin to let him father us. I want to tell you a story that you're familiar with from Luke chapter 15. There's a father that had two sons. You know the story. It's the story of the prodigal son. I like to call it the story of the good father. And one son goes to his father and says, hey, father, I'd like to have my inheritance now. You see, some of us do that with God. We see God as our sugar daddy. God, would you bless me? Would you take care of my money? I'm not interested in relationship. I only give to get. I just want what's coming to me so I can be on my own and make my own way. And he obviously goes and blows it. And I think we can treat God like that, like he's our spiritual ATM machine and miss the invitation to great relationship with him. There's a second son in the story, the older brother. The older brother stays home and he works really hard. So you know the part of the story where the younger son comes home, the father basically reinstates him into the family and gives him all the privileges that he gave up, stuff that he never owned, earned. And the, they're throwing a party for him and the father, in incredible dishonor, has to leave the party to go get his oldest son. The oldest son throws a fit. He says, I don't understand. How many of you know the poverty spirit is full of comparison. He says, I don't understand how you would give him all that money. He would waste it recklessly, sinfully, despicably, disgracefully. And then you would invite him back into the house as if he had done nothing wrong. That's grace. Now, some of you have blown it royally with your finances. And you need to let go of the thought that maybe God's still punishing you that you've been a bad steward and there's no hope of redemption for you. That's orphan thinking. But others of us may be more like that older brother, that comparative thinking. And God, look at how good I've done. Look at how hard I've worked. I've done everything that you asked me to do. You wouldn't even you know, let me have one of the Young cows, I could throw a party with my friends. Here's what the father said. This is what I believe he wants you to walk away with. 
He said, son, don't you know that everything I have is yours? See, when we begin to realize that we're children of God, we begin to realize this, that everything he has is ours. It begins to kill that poverty thinking. Now, let's be very realistic. You may be saying, yeah, Joel, but my bank account is overdrafted. I don't understand. My paycheck is not enough. It's not lining up. Let me say this to you. God has better for you. And he wants to father you. But here's what we do. We do what that widow in Zarephath could have done. This is the last bit that I have. I'm going to hoard it. I'm going to keep it to myself. Now, here's the lie in that thinking that will never come out. I know how to handle it better than somebody else. And the reality is, whether you're like the younger brother in the story of the prodigal son, and you just see God as a spiritual ATM machine, or you're like the older brother, and you just see God as somebody that you have to work for with incredible performance and perfection in order to earn what's already yours by right of relationship, by inheritance. Either one of those is actually influenced by a poverty thinking. The invitation is that you would let God in, that you would release fear, that you would surrender to him, that you would let him father you in your finances, father you in your time, father you in your career, that you would let go of the grip of fear and the lie of lack, and you would let him lead you into the places you need to be. Sometimes, the creek will dry up because God's repositioning you to be a blessing to another place. And we can either sit by the dry creek and pitch a fit that we're not getting what we thought we should have, or we can allow the voice of the God lead us, the voice of God lead us to the places that we're supposed to be. Will we trust him? Will we risk when he says risk? Will we be faithful and good stewards of what he gives to us? You see, the, the question isn't one more story and then we'll be done. There's a, a story of a man, Jesus tells the story, he, he gets a bumper crop, like crazy harvest. And he says that he goes, takes that harvest and he builds a couple more barns or starts on them and then he loses his very life. The tragedy of that story is that in a Jewish community, had somebody had a bumper crop, they wouldn't have tried to figure it out on their own. They would have gone to the elders who sat at the gate and they would have inquired with them of the Lord, what should I do with what I have? Probably gonna give generously, throw a big party for the community and I'm gonna let God lead me in what I should do. It's like the story of Joseph with Pharaoh's bumper crops. You see, Pharaoh could have thrown the craziest party for seven years while they had incredible abundance. But because he was willing to listen to the word of the Lord, he knew what to do in times of famine so that 
his kingdom would actually grow. You see, the invitation is for you and I that we would let God lead us, that we would let him father us, that we wouldn't just take the little bit that we have and say, well, that's mine, I earned it. Now I'm gonna do with it what I want. But instead, God, what do you want me to do? Let me say this to you. What God may want you to do with your money is take a really good vacation. He he may want you to get new clothes. It may be time to buy a new car, to move houses. It's not all give it all to the poor and to missionaries. Like what we do, 2 Corinthians 8 talks about this. Says, or maybe it's nine, I can't remember. Anyways, says that he gives seed for bread and for sowing. So it's not all give it all away. That's part of poverty thinking is that if I have any money in my pocket, it's burning a hole in my pocket and I need to get rid of it. It's feeling bad that you have any bit of resource. But what God may be saying to do is, hey, this is the bit that's supposed to take care of you and this is the bit that you sow into the future so that you can have what you need. And if you eat your seed that you're supposed to sow, if you eat that today, then you pay a price tomorrow, next year, when the crop's supposed to be. So we have to let God father us. It's like, okay, what do we need today? What do I do with what you've given me? And how do I walk with you in all that I have? Where do I give generously? What do I invest for the future? How do I leave an inheritance for my children's children? What do I build? Like some of you, the worst thing you could do is give all your money away. And you have lots of it. But God actually is using you, partnering with you to build wealth that'll way outlast you, that'll be a blessing to your family and to the kingdom for generations. So it's like, what are you calling me to do? So here's, as, as we close, we'll have the ministry team come up, worship team, you guys can come up. Would y'all just stand with me and we're just gonna ask God a couple of questions. Do you ask God, God, do I see you, or do I, am I operating under a poverty mindset? Just ask him and he'll speak to you. Some of you already, it's really clear. I'm not gonna ask you to figure it out. Instead, that's you, I want to ask you to do this. Say, God, I have been operating under a, spirit, uh, under a poverty mindset. Say, God, I trust you and I invite you to father me with my finances. Lord, that I would know your heart for the things that you've entrusted to me. There are some here, I wanna differentiate between a poverty mindset and a poverty spirit. There are some here you've been wrestling with a poverty spirit and it has been causing physical anxiety. It's been stealing your sleep. You see, mindsets we renew, we transform, we, we learn to think with God. And spirits, we just have to tell them to leave. And a poverty spirit will cloud your thinking. I'm gonna make you 
fearful and hiding and hoarding and all of those things. And what you can do is one of two things. You can recognize that and you've got authority in Jesus' name just to tell that thing it's time to go. But you may want somebody to partner with you and this prayer team would love to partner with you. But here's what I know. The kingdom of God cannot afford for you to stay stuck in poverty thinking. Now I can afford it because he's got it all, but he wants you released into your purposes, into your destiny, into your calling. And it means allowing him to father you in every area of life. In a room like this, there's obviously people with incredible need in all sorts of different ways and our team would love to pray with you. Maybe you do need financial miracle breakthrough. They'd love to partner with you for that. We uh, weekly are seeing people physically healed. And so maybe you've got pain in your body. I think there's somebody here that you have debilitating headaches and today's the day that God's gonna heal that. Somebody else, you've got kidney issues and today is the day for your kidneys to be healed and restored. There's other stuff going on that they would love to pray with you. Um, and finally, there's, so, there's some in here maybe that you need to just give your life to Jesus. You need to say, I'm going all in with Jesus. I surrender to him. I trust my life to him. And what I'd encourage you to do is to see one of these folks up here at the front and they'd love to walk with you in that so that really from your heart, you could make that decision and then be launched into all that God has for you. So Father, we thank you that you're really good, that you love us and that you're here with us. We just invite you, Lord, to minister to us, Lord, that you would teach us your ways, that we would be yoked to you, that we would operate as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen.